Hello and welcome. My name is Mason and this is Mace on Movies episode 16 of my journey through Ghibli, which brings us to a film that I do actually have some connection to, and that is Ponyo, uh, which was released back in 2008 and also had a U.S. theatrical release in 2009, uh, which is actually when I first heard of it. And um, it was actually the first Studio Ghibli film that I had ever heard of. Um, I had not been aware of Spirited Away or Totoro or anything else uh, up until that point in my life, but I was actually working at a movie theater and uh, one of the people that I worked with was extremely excited uh, when we found out that our theater would be getting a copy of Ponyo uh, because uh, she was a really big Studio Ghibli fan. Um, and so she was kind of the one that uh, helped us to understand that Studio Ghibli was, was a really big deal um, you know, in Japan and becoming a bigger deal uh, within the United States. So um, while it was at our theater, I actually uh, did not have an opportunity to watch it, um, but I do remember that I was cleaning the theaters. Um, you know, that was one of the many jobs that we had working at the movie theater. Uh, and so uh, after each showing, we'd have to go in and clean the theaters. Uh, and usually, depending on the film, um, you know, we go in once all the people have left. Um, or if it's in the middle of the day, maybe there's nobody even in there. So uh, a lot of times we'll go in uh, during the credits. Um, and so this was, and this film actually has really short credits, but I remember we would go in and clean the theaters and the Ponyo song uh, would be playing every time we came in to clean it. And it would always be stuck in our heads for the rest of the day. And so that was my uh, first ex first exposure to Studio Ghibli was uh, to the Ponyo song uh, in the credits. And it was one that, uh, you know, there were a lot of people uh, that I worked with that hated cleaning the theater for that movie because the song would always get stuck in their head uh, for the rest of the day. So um, yeah, this is the first film, like I said, from Studio Ghibli that I ever heard about. Um, although I didn't watch it at the time, this was actually my first time watching it. Um, but, you know, it's one that I've had an awareness of. It always, um, yeah, I always kind of had it in the back of my head. Um, so whenever I would see something related to Ponyo, I'd be like, oh yeah, that's that movie that uh, came out when I was working at, at the movie theater. So uh, that's my history uh, with Ponyo. So I was really excited to watch it uh, for the first time and actually see uh, what this movie was and what it was about and how it stacks up to uh, the rest of the films uh, released by Studio Ghibli and specifically the films that have been released by uh, Hayao Miyazaki. So uh, yeah, this was um, the eighth film by Miyazaki for Studio Ghibli and his 10th film overall. And um, it was kind of uh, a return to simpler themes, I think, for, for Miyazaki. Uh, you know, it's I've kind of realized that there are two categories, basically, of maybe three categories of Studio Ghibli films. There's kind of like these slice of life films that you get with things like uh, Only Yesterday or Ocean Waves, um, and maybe even coming up uh, the next film, or maybe in two films I'm going to watch, uh, up on from Up on Poppy Hill, which looks like another kind of those slice of life um, movies. So we've got those. And then we've got kind of the more kid-friendly adventures, which there's only a couple. You know, My Neighbor Totoro is one of those. 
Uh, this would be another. Maybe Kiki's Delivery Service could be uh, also in that category. Uh, but the, I would say that Ponyo and My Neighbor Totoro are the two films that I think are most aimed at a very young audience uh, that kids can enjoy uh, and parents would enjoy as well. And then there's the bigger, more epic, kind of heavier themed films like Princess Mononoke, Naushka, Howl's Moving Castle, like things like that. Like there are the bigger movies and then there are these small kind of fun films. And so it was nice to go back to after watching Howl's Moving Castle, uh, which was very big and complex and epic, it was nice to go back to a simpler uh, film here with Ponyo. And the Japanese title of the film is Gake no Ue no Ponyo, which uh, is Ponyo on the Cliff. Uh, or um, even though it's not in the title, it's kind of understood Ponyo on the Cliff by the Sea uh, is is the idea of this title. So in English, just simplified to Ponyo. Um, and yeah, it's, um, like I said, it's a, it's a simpler film. It definitely gave me kind of Little Mermaid vibes. Uh, that's kind of the easiest comparison point, I think, for a Western audience with this main character who is technically a goldfish, um, but her father is a wizard slash scientist. Her mother is a goddess of the ocean. Um, and so she's a very interesting goldfish in that she has kind of a, a human face, um, which later in the film kind of freaks out. Um, Cause I'm like, when I was watching, I was like, it's interesting that everyone's just accepting that this is a quote unquote goldfish with a human face. Nobody seems that freaked out about it until finally uh, there is a character, an old lady in the film uh, that's like, ah, this goldfish has a face. Um, and kind of talks about the legend of, uh, or some old like folk tale where uh, when you see the goldfish with a face, it means a tsunami's coming, uh, something along those lines. And in this film, a tsunami does actually come, uh, which is tied to uh, the actions of this goldfish. Uh, but the goldfish is called Brunhilde. Um, and like I said, wizard slash scientist father, uh, ocean goddess mother. And it seems like she does not like her father. She, she, she thinks her father is um, a dangerous or an evil kind of man and, and wants to get away from him. Um, although he uh, views his actions as he wants to protect his daughter uh, from the humans who are dangerous and evil and polluting the ocean. Uh, so he's trying to kind of keep her safe from pollution, safe from the outside world, uh, but she feels like more of a prisoner. So she makes her escape. Uh, she meets this little boy named Sosuke, um, who um, immediately um, is fascinated by her. They become very quick friends. There's cute moments where uh, she says, you know, Sos Sosuke Daisuke, uh, and he's like, oh, Ponyo Daisuke, which is like, oh, uh, I love you, Ponyo. I love you, Sosuke. Like, they have a very sweet and quick uh, friendship. And uh, he wants to protect this goldfish, keep this goldfish. Um, but uh, her father is out to bring her back, uh, sends some creatures from the ocean or sends the ocean in the form of creatures uh, to bring her back. And it's kind of this back and forth where after spending time with Sosuke, uh, Ponyo wants to become a human girl um, and... Uh, Sosuke uh, kind of, you know, wants to help her in that journey. 
Um, but her father thinks humans are dangerous and wants to bring her back into the sea uh, to protect her. So it's kind of her journey, similar in The Little Mermaid, where um, Ariel, um, you know, dreams. She has her collection of treasures and she dreams of visiting the world above the sea. Uh, she meets the prince, wants to become human. Um, and there's a similar theme there. But this is less of a romantic story, more of a friendship story, a friendship kind of love. Um, and more of a, yeah, just a, a slightly different journey. Um, and so, you know, uh, the Little Mermaid is a book that Miyazaki had read, although um, he said that he had some issues with the fact that in the original story, the mermaid uh, was someone who was considered not to have a soul. Uh, so he, t- he took some issue with that, um, which was kind of an interesting thing to read. But uh, yeah, the studio wanted Miyazaki to make a film that was aimed at younger children. Um, and Miyazaki... After visiting a museum and seeing uh, a very beautiful painting, kind of looked back at his animation uh, and the films that he had worked on and said, uh, basically, um, our animation is not good enough. We need to change. We need to make true art um, with our animation, which I think is (laughs) extremely silly, uh, considering some of his films are some of the most visually spectacular animated films I've ever seen in my life. Um, It was just funny that, you know, as an artist, he struggles with that insecurity. He wants to make something beautiful. He wants to make something uh, that will be remembered and something that kind of stands up against the other art in the world um, as as kind of equal uh, to those different masterpieces that he has seen. So I, I thought it was really interesting. He was driven to create something even better. Um, So that led to a very unique animation style for this film, uh, which I loved. Um, It kind of like, uh, they went back to a hand-drawn animation style, but so much so that a lot of the nature and the buildings and the background um, and the clouds and the sky and all of that have a look of almost like... um, being filled in by like colored pencils. It's a very interesting texture to the animation. Uh, And I thought that it was so like, to compare it to Tales of Earthsea, uh, which had a very weird blend of animation, um, which had kind of the painted backgrounds and very cheaply drawn uh, characters. I felt like there was this perfect blend of animation between the background and the characters that It was just so unique and their use of color in this film I thought was so bold and so visually striking um, that it really is a unique, um, yeah, visually unique film within the Studio Ghibli catalog up until this point. It really looks unlike anything else that I had seen before it and really unlike anything else I've seen in animation in general. So I love the way that you know, Miyazaki was pushed to expand the style of animation which they used to the point where they actually shut down the computer animation division of Studio Ghibli to focus solely on hand-drawn animation uh, for this film to the point where I was reading that typically if you see a ship in a film, it's kind of one still image and they'll slide it across uh, across the, the film cell, across the frame. Um, and so it's kind of, 
it doesn't change in size uh, or anything like that. But um, Miyazaki wanted, you know, basically the ships to be drawn frame by frame, uh, which is an immense amount of work because uh, you're drawing it. But what that does, it actually creates different, a more realistic perspective of the ships as they're sailing by, as they're moving. So uh, it led to a really great final product, but you could see his dedication to excellence um, in animation. So uh, I thought that that was really cool. Um, so yeah, it was one, cause you know, a lot of the Studio Ghibli films do have that same, even though it's excellent, they can have a very similar visual style. So to see something break out of that style was refreshing for me, considering I'm 16 films in, um, and the previous film was visually unappealing. Uh, it was it was such a welcome relief. Um, and I would say, like, as I was watching, watching the opening of this film, um, I think that it is probably one of my favorite openings um, of any of the Studio Ghibli films. It's just so gorgeously, vibrantly animated um, with this beautiful music swelling underneath it. Um, yeah, it's just uh, so fantastical and so beautiful um, that... Yeah, I, I really recommend if you have not seen this movie, at, at least watch the opening. Uh, watch the whole thing, but I think if you watch the opening, it will hook you for the rest of it. Uh, the use, uh, the use of, especially the golden yellow color that kind of repeats through this film is such a, I, I said it before, but such a visually striking color as, uh, that it's so like, it's awe inspiring. Like I just like I was in awe of what I was seeing. Um, so yeah, I was definitely like high on my list of Ghibli films based solely on the animation, but the characters as well, like Sosuke is such a lovable little boy. Um, and Ponyo is such a, such a brilliantly cute character. Um, and you really root for her on her mission to become human. There's such a sweet relationship develops between Ponyo and Sosuke, um, as well as a very interesting relationship, uh, between Sosuke and his parents. Uh, his father is a ship captain who's in the film briefly, um, who when, um, when Ponyo unleashes this large amount of magic that unsettles the balance between the ocean and the land um, and creates some of the catastrophic events of the film, um, he's kind of washed out at sea um, and so, you know, he needs kind of to be rescued uh, by the ocean goddess and things like that. So uh, we see his father a little bit, but most of the time we spend is with him and Ponyo, as well as him and his mother, Lisa, um, who is very interesting. She's a, uh, you know, doesn't have um, a lot of screen time, but uh, she's very strong. She's a very uh, strong mother, uh, has a whole lot of character, very entertaining, crazy driver. Um, but yeah, really interesting, like a different style, I think, of mother than we've seen in previous Studio Ghibli films. So this film was refreshing for me from a character standpoint, from a design standpoint, um, from a storytelling standpoint. It just really, after kind of the bad taste I had in my mouth from, from Tales of Earthsea, uh, this was just such a pleasant, uh, refreshing kind of film. So I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, the journey of the film, it, it's, not, it's an hour and 40 minutes, it's not super long, which I appreciate. Um, it's a more straightforward story, which I appreciate. Um, and yeah, it's not one that you have to think, you know, too much about. Sometimes Studio Ghibli films like um, Howl's Moving Castle, 
uh, or Naushka, sometimes the storytelling can be a little bit non-linear where you're trying to kind of figure out what exactly is happening. Uh, but this film's pretty easy to follow all the way through. Um, not that I don't like complex films uh, or storytelling, but um, I just sometimes appreciate the simpler approach. So yeah, I, I uh, really enjoyed this film. And um, I'm not going to jump too much. I'm not really going to jump into spoilers. Uh, there's not really a lot that I can add to my general review of the film uh, by revealing spoilers. So uh, I would just say that it's a very satisfying, very beautiful story. And I do want to mention the voice cast before I wrap up this review. Um, voicing Ponyo in the Japanese version is Yuri Nara, And um, in English, it's Noah Cyrus. Sosuke is voiced by Hiroki Doi and uh, voiced in English by Frankie Jonas. Lisa is voiced by Tomoko Yamaguchi and Tina Fey does the English voice. Um, Sosuke's father Koichi is voiced by Kazushige Nagashima and voiced by Matt Damon in the English version. Um, the ocean goddess who is Ponyo's mother is voiced by Yuki Amami and Kate Blanchett does the English voice. And Fujimoto, the uh, wizard scientist, is voiced by George uh, Tokoro. And in English, Liam Neeson does the voice. So pretty amazing voice cast you got there between uh, Tina Fey, Matt Damon, Kate Blanchett, and Liam Neeson. Uh, pretty impressive uh, for the adult cast there. And uh, yeah, they do, they do really great. I haven't heard the English version, so I can't speak to the quality of their voice work. Um, but I really enjoyed it. The last thing... Uh, for this film that it reminded me of. The the location, actually, I lived in a seaside kind of city here in Japan uh, for about a year and a half called Sasebo, and I was wondering if that was some of the inspiration for the location uh, of this film, although it is a bit more modern. It does have a lot of the, those old-style villages by the sea. Uh, it is a shipbuilding city. It's a naval city. Um, and I was wondering if that was the visual inspiration for this film, but it was actually inspired by uh, Tomono Ura, which is a, a seaside town in Hiroshima. Um, so uh, the visual inspiration for this town, uh, it was an actual place that kind of inspired Miyazaki uh, before this film was created, uh, and he used that as the inspiration. So if you've ever been there, if you... Uh, have ever been to Hiroshima or in and around, live in and around there, uh, you can check out uh, Tomono Ura is the town if you wanted to see the setting that inspired uh, the town in Ponyo. So uh, that's the last detail that I wanted to mention uh, in this film. Uh, like I said, really enjoyed it. Really encourage you guys to check it out. It is visually uh, unique, I think, at least up until this point amongst the Studio Ghibli films. It has its own visual style. Uh, that I really appreciated and would encourage you guys to check out. So uh, that's going to be it for my thoughts on Ponyo. If you have seen it, I would love to hear your thoughts. You can let me know on Twitter and Instagram at Mason Movies. Um, and then if you've been enjoying this review, you can check out the rest of the podcast feed. You can subscribe, leave a rating and a comment, share it with your friends and family. All of that would be fantastic. Uh, but I just want to thank you so much for checking out this review. Uh, and if you've been along for this entire journey, thanks for sticking with it. Uh, if you're new to the journey, I would encourage you to check out the earlier episodes, um, including the one where I thought Isao uh, Takahata was a female director when he is in fact a male director. So you can experience the whole journey uh, from, from, uh, from the very beginning uh, where I was still getting into the swing of it. So 
uh, yeah, check it out. And uh, thank you again so much for listening to this episode. I hope that wherever you are, you are taking care of yourself amidst these crazy times with variants upon variants, viruses upon viruses. Uh, Take care of yourself, stay healthy, stay well. uh, And let's remember to be kind to one another. Thanks, everybody.